Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As Associate Pastor Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. You got Hebrews chapter 9 there? Let me tell you this story. There's a rich man who was getting ready to die, and I gotta tell you this story, get it off my chest. He was a rich man, he's getting ready to die, and he was very concerned about he couldn't take anything with him when he left. And he was on his deathbed, and he said, listen to himself, I've done a lot of good things in life. I've helped a lot of people. I've been very charitable uh, in my life. I've been a good man, and I think that I should be able to take something with me when I go to heaven. So I don't know how he got the orders there, but he got, he got uh, the message up to heaven And uh, even Jesus Christ himself saw a little video of all the good things that this man had done. And Jesus said, okay, he can bring one suitcase with him to heaven. Just one suitcase. All he can bring, nothing else, he can bring it with him. So the message gets back to the man about what he can take up to heaven with him. And he's thinking about it, thinking about it. He said, I'm going to take the biggest suitcase I can find, and I'm going to fill it full of gold. I got all kinds of gold, and I'm going to take that with me. So he, he does that, gets it set up. He dies, and he gets to heaven, and uh, of course, Peter's very interested in what's going on in the man's suitcase, and he opens up the suitcase, and he says to the man, why'd you bring pavement with you? (laughs) You just brought pavement with you. You know, sometimes we don't have any idea what eternity is really all about, do we? And uh, you just brought brought, uh, uh, pavement with you. Amen. I like to walk on that kind of pavement for now. Anyhow. But let's stand on our feet this evening as we normally do. We're going to start uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and start reading verse number 11. I want you to notice a word here that's in this passage a few times. Uh, and I want to, that's going to be kind of the crux of the message this evening. Verse number 11. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater or, and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. So are we talking about this tabernacle? Where's this tabernacle at? It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Where's that going to be at? It's going to be in heaven, right? With me? Verse number 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained, and this is, one of the, this is the word for tonight, eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling uh, the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is a mediator of the New Testament, that by the means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, that which they which are called might receive the promise of, and the word again, eternal inheritance eternal inheritance. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God to see it. And we thank you, uh, Lord, for our church. We thank you for our church that stands for the preaching of the word of God. And we thank you for uh, the, the way you've guided our church and led it uh, during these past years that we've gone through. And we see, I believe we see us come out the other side stronger and, and uh, more fervent for you and uh, people of great faith. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I ask you please to bless now the message. Give me, first of all, the uh, message I need, leave out what needs to be left out. May I be able to add what needs to be put in there. 
And God, give us all listening ears and a listening heart. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this evening. Thank you so much. I want to speak on, and I, I, scared, them up, I scared them up in the room already because I have 16 points. And then each, each point has 25 subpoints. <laughs> then we have 25, 50 subpoints. No, I'm just teasing about that. And I have a real long introduction and really a, long, a short message this evening, which is sometimes my, uh, my MO, what I do. But I want to speak on something tonight that how can I always be excited? How can I always be excited? You may think it's not too spiritual, but I'll get to the reason why here in a second, why I say that. I'm not talking about that you're always running around uh, 10 feet above the ground, uh, you're loose as a cannon, uh, that everything. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just every day of my life. How can I be on top side every day of my life? I'm going to give you a spiritual application for that this evening, how we can do that. There was an old grizzled veteran preacher whose preaching seemed to get more exciting the older that he came. And the more you heard him, you couldn't tell he was getting older. You couldn't tell that, that uh, his age was caught up with him. His sermons seemed to be filled with more vigor than, uh, and more powerful than he was a younger preacher. And he was asked a question. It seems like you're always excited. And his answer was, the reason I always seem excited is because I am always conscious of the eternal of the eternal. These days that we live in during this time, I believe we are drawing closer and closer to our Lord's coming. And I believe as that day comes, it's going to become more confusing. It's going to become more uh, maybe heartbreaking. It's going to become more like what's going on with just regular people. Uh, It seems like everyone in the world's crazy but you. And those days are here, and we're looking at those. And it's so easily, uh, in our day, we can go, as the pastor mentions, you can Google and find anything you want. We can find things to take our time. We can find things to get our attention. We can find good, wholesome things that we think are good and, and maybe even somewhat godly, and we attach ourselves to that and maybe take some time away uh, from, from really our, our, our purpose of living, uh, having the love of God within us, as we heard this morning. Plus, we see today a more, uh, just an egregious distortion of truth. People just say it, so it makes it true. People think it, they say it, so it must be true. It's on the newspaper, it's on the, uh, it's on the headlines of Apple News, it's everywhere you go, it pops up, so it must be truth. We're living in a day right now where no one, no one weighs what's truthful and what's wrong. I heard a lady the other day talking about the fact that she believed that uh, the, the teaching of three meals a day is manipulative and controlling people. That we should be like animals. Whenever you're hungry, you ought to go ahead and eat. Now, I believe in that philosophy. But I think three meals a day is not something we're trying, people are trying to control somebody. But she's got this big thing going on how, how, how uh, it's controlling people. And it's been that way. And that's what it's all about. It's control when we eat, control what we do, control how we think. And I'm thinking, where's, what planet does she come from? We live in a time where some believe the government can solve man's problems. Others believe that government is the problem. And I believe that everybody else around me is the problem. And we all believe that about ourselves, don't we? In the church world, it's even crazier. 
I could spend all night listening, listening to things that I see happening, have seen happen over the years, but what's scary to me is, is this point here, and I know we don't dwell on this, we don't talk about this, we hate to, we hate to examine ourselves and, and check ourselves out, but what's scary to me is that how, how easily and, and uh, just seems like for no reason whatsoever, we're always looking to criticize fellow believers, sister churches, fellow pastors, because their jot and their tittle doesn't line up with us. I don't know if I've ever seen a day where God's people are so uh, uh, hardly pressing toward the fact of criticizing other fellow believers. Jesus said to his disciples, if they're giving the same message we're giving, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Now, I'm not talking about perversion. I'm not talking about the, the, uh, the new, new Christian uh, church thing that's happening today that we bring them in and we, we entertain them as we heard them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about fellow Christians who are, doing, are trying to preach the word, preach salvation, do their best, but we're living a day. We want to attack them and criticize them for every little thing that doesn't line up with us. May I remind all of us this evening that you and I don't line up in everything within these walls right here. And you have to go out and attack someone else because of, and, and I have, could spend all night on that, that thought, but I'm not going to do that. But I decided a long time ago, I don't believe that's the kind of Christian that God will have me to be. And I'm not going to talk, I'm not talking about those who I mentioned who pervert scripture, but I know most of us here feel this way that, that listen, we got to be careful about criticizing other people because they might not wear the same shirt you wear. But that's where we're at today in Christianity. It's, it's a crazy thing to look at and see. We should be grateful that someone else is trying to get the gospel around the world. We should be uh, helpful in trying to help them. But anyhow, that's where we're at now. Now, I know, uh, what, why are you saying all that? Well, I had to get off my chest. This is the only time I can do that once or twice a month. So no, I'm just teasing. But why am I getting there? Because all these things physically and mentally and emotionally wear on us. I'm so worried about somebody else is stressing my life out. And they're happy go free. So, but as we, as we read the Bible and we see the Bible, I'm looking, I'm looking at two, something, a thought tonight about this. There's two words that people naturally interchange in Scripture. The one word is everlasting, and the other word is eternal. But there is a difference. If you study scripture and, and just not, not let look very hard, you're going to find out when everlasting is used, it means it had a starting place. And from here on out, it's everlasting. In fact, I am going to tell you, you jump into the lane of the eternal. But there's an everlasting is something that, that start, has a starting place. Uh, there was a starting place for that. Uh, there was a starting place for the everlasting fire. Matthew 25 talks about. There's a starting place that he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. There's a starting place when I got saved. I wasn't an eternal being in the sense of salvation until I got saved. I got in the everlasting life. Then I jumped on the road of eternal life that has already been settled by God. And I'll get that in a second here. So what I want to look at tonight is this word eternal it means it has always been. The church is not eternal. 
it has been a called out assembly. It had a beginning as we realize in the New Testament. Everlasting life, salvation for me started when I accepted Christ as my savior and then I, uh, then I have everlasting life and I kind of jump in, if you would, to what God had already settled in the annals of time for eternity. There is an everlasting damnation that goes on into eternity. We understand that. But we are to live for the eternal, not the temporal. Heard that this morning. Most of us, we live in this temporal world because we like things we can see, touch, and feel. Right? We, 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 listen, it's nature. It's, it's natural. It's, it's who we are. I mean, uh, we, 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 we're caught up in our things of life, and I won't spend a lot of time on these, these material things, but there are those in here that, boy, you like cars. You like when someone else pays for the cars, you get to look at it. But you like cars, and we could spend hours on that. Uh, some, some are caught up in this, some are caught up in that, and I'm not going to get all that this evening. Uh, but, the, but the reason is simply to see is that we're caught up in this temporal life, and we forget about the eternal life that we have. I found the word eternal is used 47 times in Scripture. It's used in Deuteronomy and also in Isaiah. But 30 times when the word eternal is used, it also says eternal life. That's encouraging to me. But there are a few things which are eternal in the Bible. I know I kind of got in trouble. A little Haley was asking me, you got 16 points tonight? What are you doing? She was going to give me. But let me go through these quickly. I won't, they won't be long. But there's 16, uh, some of them are overlapping, so there won't be quite 16 tonight. But there's 16 things I want to give you that are eternal in Scripture. I won't spend a lot of time on them, I promise you. Uh, but I do want us to understand how I can live excited about some things. Because I realize I'm not living for today. I'm living for eternity. Amen. Amen. And I'm not going to let someone bust my chops today and ruin what I have coming forever. But we get caught up in that, don't we? We get caught up and we don't stay excited about what we have and who we are and where we're headed and what's going on because it's easy for us to do that. So I want to give you some things to encourage us all tonight how we can stay excited. Number one is we know God is eternal. I don't know where God came from. I don't know if God had a beginning. I know he doesn't have an end. And I'm not sure if uh, uh, back in the, uh, uh, way back in whenever it may have been, uh, I, don't, I believe God has always been. But God's eternal. Deuteronomy 32 says, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are his everlasting arms. That he reaches out to us. He is uh, eternal for us, and God uh, has always been. And I, and I have a hard time grasping that, that concept of that. It's hard because you and I are uh, we are scheduled or we live our life by time. But God is not. The Old Testament is summed up with one word. It is pointing to Jesus Christ who's coming in the future. But God already knew that. The New Testament is summed up in one word also. Jesus Christ who did die uh, for our sins. And God already knew that. And listen, long before he created earth and long before he created what you and I love in our universe and all, long before he created even us, he already knew exactly what was going to happen. Why? He's eternal. He's already always known what's going to be there. He knew exactly how you and I were going to be. We're going to be a bunch of rascals, and he knew that. And he knows that. He's eternal. Number two, we see here, Romans tells us that God's power is eternal. God's power is eternal. 
From the visible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen how they seem. By being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power of the Godhead, so that all are without excuse. I have a hard time understanding God's eternal power. But I believe, as we heard this morning, that God's eternal power created this earth that I get to enjoy and live on right now. I believe God's eternal power is what's given me the ability to live and to breathe during this time in history. And I don't believe it's a mistake that I'm here at this time in history. I don't believe it's anything that God looked down and said, uh-oh, there's Barry Murray. What am I going to do with him? He's going to be trouble. He knew exactly where I was going to be. And he made exactly uh, the things happen in my life by his power, that I would hear the gospel of Christ, have the opportunity to be saved because he knew that's what was going to happen. The eternal power of the Godhead, the eternal power of the deity, it's eternal. It has always been. There has been a beginning. I know we can't grab that sometimes. But the fact this universe still operates, can you imagine if the government got a hold of the earth We'd be tilted the wrong direction. We'd be really hot or really cold. We'd be having all kinds of crazy weather we don't have now. Can you imagine if man thought he could control the earth, but God in his his all-powerful ability keeps us right where we need to be at. Those axes right where they need to be. The right distance from the sun, the right distance from what's going on, and that's still holding us in place. Why? It's the eternal power of God. Number three, I love this one. Our salvation is eternal. Our salvation is eternal. Uh, Hebrews 5, 9 says, In being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Listen, what you and I have, salvation, is something God had planned from the whenever. It's been eternal. Now, it was everlasting to me because there was a starting point, but to God, it's always been eternal. It's always been his plan to have salvation for those who he loves and cares for. Salvation, the only kind of salvation he offers is eternal salvation. You can't lose it. It's eternal. You can't lose something that you can't control. It's, 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 some, uh, it's not some other kind of salvation. It's an eternal salvation that I can't, no matter how hard I try, if I received it, I've accepted it, I'm stuck with it. Why, it's eternal. I like that. Number four, this is all introduction still, redemption is eternal. As we read there in our reading of Hebrews chapter 9, having obtained eternal redemption. Listen, back whenever God decided to do what he was going to do with mankind, he said they're going to need a way to be redeemed. And Jesus, you're going to be that way. You're going to be able to go down that earth and live for those years amongst them. You're going to understand what they go through. You're going to understand what mankind, uh, in my mind, what what I'm going to put them through. And you're going to pay the price for them. They can be eternally redeemed. It's not not some plan God had come up with along long as time was going along. What am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? Ever before Genesis, God had to plan. He had eternal salvation in the way. Uh, uh, And this verse here, I believe it proves to us that Christ literally took his blood to heaven. Look at verse 12 again there in our reading. Neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his blood he entered 
into, once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. I know some don't believe that, and I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't get cross or be indifferent with you about that, but I believe Jesus Christ, when he died, uh, before he ascended up to heaven to be there now, he went to heaven, he took that blood of his, and he shed it on the mercy seat in heaven, because that whole scripture is talking about the tabernacle not made with hands. He put that blood on there for you and for I. That's been an eternal plan of God for our redemption. Now, some don't want to believe that. They want to make light of it. And they want to change it, whatever. And that, that's fine if you want to. But if you got saved, you got saved by the eternal blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. No matter how you believe, look at it. Neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood, the literal blood that he shed on the cross. Uh, he entered in. Why? By his blood had to be the sacrifice and it had to be applied to the mercy seat. It's eternal redemption. Number five, the Holy Spirit is eternal. We read there in verse 14, our reading, I know we get kind of scared and we get kind of shaky talking about the topic and, and I won't spend a lot of time here, but the Holy Spirit has always been with God. And I believe when God came down to earth in Genesis and he walked across the earth, it was the sweet spirit of God. We find over and over again in the Old Testament how God's Spirit came upon people and God used them in a mighty way. We know he indwells us now, but the Holy Spirit of God has always been. He's not something he said, Jesus, uh, we need someone else to help us out, get our goal accomplished. What should we do? Let's make the Holy Spirit. No, he's always been eternal. He's always been there with God. He's eternal. Just Jesus worked through the Spirit of God when he was here on earth. Number six, our inheritance is eternal. We read there in verse number 15. Our inheritance, our, our legacy, uh, our, our birthright now by being saved uh, has been bestowed upon us. Uh, provision is made for us. Why? Because uh, the eternal price, we have eternal inheritance. I have royal blood flowing in my veins. I'm part of the king's family now. And it's eternal. It has always been. I'm hurrying here. Number seven, our new life is eternal. 1 John 3.15 uh, talks about uh, no murderer hath eternal life abiding in them. Listen, when you and I got saved, we, we uh, became, a, not, I don't say I know everlasting, but we now have that eternal uh, life in us, and we should live and act our lives like that. Not better, not smarter than somebody else. I would even say, and I don't want to make this, make this seem so simple, but I feel very fortunate that God will bring the salvation to my doorstep that I could accept it. That I could have a part of this eternal life that I can have. Number eight, God's glory is eternal. The glory of God. And one day, I know a lot of people make up things, but heaven is not about you and me. Heaven is about Jesus Christ, Amen. the glory of Jesus Christ. And when you sit there and when you come to heaven, you come before his presence and you see the glory of Christ, you'll be speechless other than to maybe bow down and worship. I know we all have our qualm. Oh, I'm going to be the best golfer ever. I'm going to be the best whatever. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to go see so-and-so. I'm going to go see. No, heaven's not about us, even though it's a great place for us to go in the future, but it's about Jesus Christ that we can worship him in our glorified bodies, 
Worship him uh, uh, knowing uh, what he wants us to know at that time, that we can uh, worship him as we should. Thank God for his eternal glory. Number nine, I gotta hurry over mention this. Heaven is eternal. Heaven has, where God's place has always been there. Didn't have a starting place. Number 10, God's purposes are eternal. And this is kind of convicting. Ephesians 3.11 says, according to the eternal purpose which, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The purpose, the mystery, uh, the church. The church is the mystery, right? The church is the mystery. The bride of Christ is the mystery. But it's been something that's been an eternal purpose from God. From whenever or whatever the beginning may have been or whatever God decided in eternity past to decide all this, the church has always been his eternal purpose during this age. And we make so lightness of his church. We make it seem like it's just something we do if we have time to get there. We make it something we can do. Well, I just don't fit in, blah, 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 whatever it may be. And God says, my mystery of this generation, of this age is gonna be the church. It was something eternal with him. That's where you see, and this is the convicting part. This is where you see the love of God displayed. You see it in the mystery of the church. And God help us tonight to be God-fearing, God-loving people that when people out there who need a Savior see us, they see the love of God, not the love of the devil. When we act and live like everybody else around us, what difference do they see about us? The church, the purpose now, let me get to the message. How can I always be excited? We mentioned, we mentioned, uh, Pastor mentioned this this morning a little bit, and he's, he's sitting there, I'm sitting there thinking, he's taking all my illustrations. Well, we live in a day today that we'll spend $1,000 on something this year, and next year we sell it in the garage sale for $100. Right? Then we can go buy something else. The next year we'll sell the garage sale or yard sale or Goodwill or wherever it may be. That, that, that's where we're at today. We're, it kind of shows that we're just looking for the next sale of things. And, and uh, it shows how little uh, we really want those things that we got. How many times you got something that you're really not excited about it after you got it? Well, this is really a letdown. But that's how we kind of get ourselves in this, this, this quandary of, of not staying excited about serving God because we think Buying something we may like or prefer will make us happy, make us content. And we realize that we're not living for the temporal, we're living for the eternal. So I want to, listen, I, I have things, I have clothes, I have things, I have different things that maybe you may have. I, have. I have a house we live in, I have a nice place we live at, so I'm not preaching against those things. But those things, as I said this morning, are going to be long gone. In fact, if you give me a good price, you can have the house right now. You just can't have my bed and my pillow. That's my favorite things are my bed and my pillow. But, but I want to preach on six things here that, of the eternal things that will help us to be excited. And I want to excite us, and they won't be very long, not very long points, I promise you. Uh, but I think there's something we need to hit again and talk about uh, quickly. Number one, love is eternal. 
The love of God is eternal. It's supreme. It, it glows. I'm not talking about the love that shows some kindness. I'm not talking about the love that, uh, 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 that represents some affection. I'm talking about a godly love that God had for you, that he would save your rascal soul. Yes. Amen. He took you just as you were. And that's the problem you and I deal with, isn't it? That we can't take people just like they are. But if I have eternal love, a love that's eternal of God, I can, listen, it doesn't always mean I can put up with them, but I can accept them. This is the only kind of love that I can offer, God says. The love of God he wants us to have is eternal. Man's love can be turned off and on. God's love is always on. I never seen a day where all of a sudden I fell in love, so let's get a divorce. Or let's try it first, it doesn't work out, we'll go down the next road and find somebody else. That's not love. That's playtime. That's playing house. Playing doctor. That's not, that's not real love uh, uh, for someone. Loving someone, uh, the love of God is God loves you as mean and ornery and sinful as you are. Love of God number two, and probably my favorite one, the Bible is eternal. The Bible is eternal. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I know I'm standing on the ground tonight that I may be the only guy, but the Bible's being attacked by a bunch of dead theologians doing what they can do to destroy, the, to destroy the eternal life of the Word of God. It's not some history book to be dissected and changed meaning of. It is the eternal Word of God that will settle in heaven long before you and I were ever thought about. There never was a time that there wasn't the Word of God. Man did not write the Bible. God did. And he made men to write it just the way it already is in heaven. The writings are not unique to the writers because they're God's. We have a hard time with that, don't we? We have a hard time accepting that. But if you believe your salvation is eternal, you sure got to believe the word of God's eternal. You can't, have, you can't believe one without the other. You can't believe the love of God without believing the word of God. We don't have the word of God. We're all, we're all in a mess and we, we're arguing about things, and we're trying to figure this out, and whatever. Uh, I believe the Word of God never comes back void. The Word of God has power to change someone's life. And the Word of God has been already settled in heaven, and you can change it if you want to, but God says, that's not what I said. And I find it amazing that God could take all the different writers of Scripture and have them write and basically still remain with one theme. And all we did was we've made a copy of what's already eternal. Let me throw this out there. I don't know what language the word of God is in heaven. And neither do we, neither do any of you. I don't know. I think it's a godly language that you and I will understand in the by and by. We make so much fuss and so much things over this that we need to, instead of worrying about so much what we think it should say, how about just believing for what it does say? Amen. It's eternal. 
We spend so much time on, on things, and, and I believe Satan does this to get us off track and to get us confused about this, confused about that. Instead of trying to disprove it, let's just believe it. And by, by that, I mean how much time do you spend with it? How much time do you spend in God's Word? I'm not trying to be convicting tonight. I'm not trying to get off on your night. But the Word of God, this Word of God is eternal. And yet it just sits on the shelf. We pull it out on Sundays when we come to church. Where's that Bible at anyhow? I don't remember where it's at. And, and, and I'm not talking about the, the cover, and I'm not talking about the white pages. I'm talking about the words that are in the book. Amen. The words that are in the book. How much, do we, how much time do we spend with it? If you spend as much time, let me tell you this. If you spend as much time in the Word of God as you should, how am I going to say this right way? I'm going to say this the right way. If you spend the same amount of time with your wife as you did with the Bible, would she stay with you? You know what I mean? And I, I can't decide what your time may be. I can't decide what your, yours may be. Mine has changed over my lifetime. It's, it's kind of gone back and forth. There was a time that I, I, and yeah, I won't get into that this evening, but I spent a lot of time daily in the Word of God. Uh, not so much today, but I still spend a lot of time in the Word of God. Why? I believe it's eternal. It's the only place I can find out for sure what God really is saying. It's been settled a long time ago. That's how you stay excited. That's how you stay uh, with all this stuff going on. And you don't let it get to you because you understand the word of God. And uh, I got to go on to number three. The power of God is eternal. And uh, Romans chapter one, verse 20. Uh, the, the power of God. Listen, I'm preaching tonight. I promise you this week in the last two weeks. I know it was my time coming up. I've begged God for his help tonight as I preach. Because I believe that's what I need to do to be the preacher, uh, the, the, to get the word out to you as I can be. I'm not the best preacher. I'm not the most eloquent preacher. I, I'm not the funniest preacher. I'm not sure what kind of preacher I really am. But I promise you this. I've begged God for his help long before today, for tonight. Because I believe in the power of God. To help me preach the word of God because somebody tonight needs what I'm saying. I believe all my heart. Somebody here needs what I'm saying tonight. Not because it's me. I need what I'm saying tonight. But I want that power of God. I want the power of God when I share the gospel with those who are lost. We live with the opportunity that anything we do can be done in the power of God. Listen, you can raise your family in the power of God. You can live, run your business in the power of God. You can live daily with the power of God. And yet we, we, only, we only talk to him when we think we need something super spiritual. I want him to guide me every step of my life. Amen. Yes. I don't have time this evening to share this, and I won't do that. But listen, I would not be here where I'm at tonight had it not been for me Yielding myself to God. I'd still be in that heathen place in Pittsburgh. But I believe in God's guidance and leading me and guiding me. And it, it just, I can't, I can't, so many blessings I can tell you about. I don't have time to get there tonight. I could spend the whole sermon on just that. But listen, I believe in God's help. I believe in his power to help me. Number four, I believe that my salvation is not only everlasting, but it's eternal. Amen. 
Hebrews 5, 9 talks about the eternal salvation of them that obey him. We can't lose what we didn't earn, and we can't back, back up from something that wasn't ours to give to begin with. From the existence of God, your salvation has already been settled, if you can let me say it that way. You can't undo what you didn't do anyhow. What a shame to think that the church can take away, take away your salvation. What a shame to think your church can give you salvation. What a shame to think that a lifestyle will give you salvation. What a shame to live that way. Number five, and I've already mentioned this part. I won't spend time here, but I believe God's purpose is eternal. Ephesians chapter three, verse 11. From the time you were born and you got saved, every step you've taken, God had it marked out for you. Now, I believe it's a broad way. I'm not like some of these preachers that believe uh, uh, God's will is this really narrow path. Now, I do believe being a Christian is a narrow road. Don't get me wrong. But I believe I have this broad path I can travel as a Christian in God's will, but it has boundaries. There's, now, I'm thinking about a football field. You ever stand in a football field at the goal line and look out? through? It's a pretty, it's a pretty big field out there. And I think of the Christian life that way, that I'm on this goal line trying to find God's will for my life. And I have a boundary over here and a boundary over there. I have a goal down there and I'm on the goal line here. And I'm just going to try to go through. But within that uh, 50 yards back and forth, I can go, I can go a long way. It may not be every step God has for me. Sometimes I got to learn by my own dumb experience. Anybody been there? Sometimes we think we know more than God knows about certain things. And we try to go that route, right? You've been there? but I believe God has a purpose here. And I believe God has a way of saying, okay, uh, that's a boundary over there. Go back over there. I believe it's the convicting of the Holy Spirit, by the way, who gets us back in line where we need to be at. But God has a purpose for me. And they're eternal purposes. As I mentioned already, you're not a surprise to God. God knows all about you long before you were even born. I can't figure that out. Why then are we trying to decide sometimes what we should do and where we should go instead of just serving God right where we're at? The person who travels with God, I have a sermon on this, a person who travels with God will always arrive in their destination. If you travel with God, you will always arrive where God wants you to be at. Always. I'm excited about that. That gives me excitement about my day-to-day life. And if I'm traveling with God as I am, it may be a rough day. It may be something I don't want to go through. It may be some bad news. It may be a heartache. But that's the destination, the road God wants me to go. I know the destination. I'm traveling it with God. God has written in heaven eternal purpose for me. And we're not to live for us, but we're to live for him. And would we be better off to serve God's purpose than to serve our purpose? And lastly, number six is this. And I like this one. My home in heaven is eternal. My home in heaven is eternal. I'm heading somewhere that you can't take me out of. And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be living with God himself and Jesus Christ and all that he's prepared for us. Second uh, Corinthians 5 says, For we know that earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Amen. Yes. 
Our mansion is waiting for us. And I know you can believe that you can be the guy who believes I'm gonna have, I'm gonna live by the sewer plant, go right ahead. But I have a desire to live in my mansion. Oh, it's just a cottage. Okay, whatever you want it to be. It's gotta be better than what I got right now. No utility bills, no upkeep on the property. Don't have to call the maintenance man to come fix something. It's all going to be good to go. And we're going to spend our time with God, worship him in, uh, in our father's house. And uh, uh, he's preparing a place for me. I think the place is already built. Now he's decorating it. I hope it has some things I like. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to be as brave. My wife says that the marriage supper of lambs is going to be nothing but chocolate. You talk to her about that, she'll tell you, oh, yeah, it's going to be chocolate, chocolate, with no calories. And I don't know the things you like and the things you favor around this earth are things that we're really going to see and be involved in in heaven. But I know this, that being with God for eternity gets me excited. And whatever's going on around me, I can stay on top side about things because I know it's going to be all right because I know where I'm headed. Take this old world, but give me Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, that's where I want to go. I want to go there. He's preparing that place for us. How foolish we are to think that a few things down here will compare to what's in our eternal home. So tonight, I just want to encourage you. How do you stay on top side every day? You stay on top side when you dwell on the eternal things, not the temporal things. You can stay on top side. The world may be crashing all around you, but you can still be on top because you know where you're headed. Done a number of funerals in my day. Comfort a lot of families. Been there to help them. I've seen some strange things in the casket. I've seen fishing poles. I've seen hats. I've seen Bibles. I've seen coloring uh, uh, things from grandkids and kids in there. I've seen all kinds of things in the casket. I've even seen one time a pouch of Mel, pou Mel Pouch too in the back of, in the casket, thinking, what in the world are they going to do with that? But not one of those things went to heaven with them, if that's where they went. But they went to a place where you won't need anything. You'll have all you ever need for eternity. And we ought to stay on top side. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God this evening. Thank you for the eternal mentioned throughout Scripture. And God, we get so caught up in what's going on around us, and we, we sometimes need to be. We need to be apprised of what's happening in our world and see what's going on. But God, may we not get so caught up in that that we forget that we're not just an everlasting being, but we're an eternal being, that we're going to a place that has always been. It's always been there. It's always been your purpose. It's always been your plan that we can share that eternity with you, with Jesus Christ. We thank you tonight for that. We praise you for that this evening. With our heads bowed this evening, I don't know 
to see them besides me who the sermon's for. I know this, many of us deal with things daily in our lives that we wonder how we're going to make it. We wonder how we can be that positive energy Christian that we need to be. I told you tonight how you can be. If you live thinking about the eternal, what's yet to come, some of these things we let to get to us and weigh us down and hold us back, some of those things will fall by the wayside. They're unnecessary weights that we carry that we shouldn't carry. And as we have our invitation this evening, when you spend some time thinking about God, thank you for eternal heaven. Thank you for what you've done for me. And it's always been and always will be. Let's stand on our feet this evening. We'll sing a few verses. The altar's open as always if you need to come tonight. How to stay excited. Dwell in the eternal. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.